Welcome. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing kids and asthma. Joining me is Dr. John Perpich. He's a pediatric pulmonologist with BayCare. Dr. Perpich, I'm so glad to have you with us, and what a great topic. Tell us a little bit about asthma, and what's the burden of asthma in kids? How prevalent is this? Sure. So, you know, asthma is 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 really a, a, a big umbrella, right? I mean, I think a lot of times people think of asthma as one thing, or they, or they think of it as, you know, something very, very specific. But really, asthma, is, it, it encompasses, you know, a, a, a wide range of symptoms and a, and, and a wide range of of kind of presentations, and, and it's very different in kids than it is than it is in adults. Um, you know, I think one of the first things that that I, I get asked is if there's a test to make sure that there's a that, that their child has asthma, and there really isn't a test. It's based on symptoms uh, um, that the that the children are having, and and it happens in about seven seven and a half percent in the general population. But there, you know, there is a big variability among different racial groups. There's a big uh, differential. Uh, between different genders as well, so so there there is a lot of variability with uh, uh, kind of more uh, you know asthma in our African American populations, more more asthma in our Puerto Rican population as well, uh, but in general about about seven percent. Well, thank you for that. So let's talk about how you diagnose it. Can it be something that comes and goes? When do we consider it chronic? Absolutely, and so I think that's one of the most important things about asthma. Uh, when I when I'm seeing a family for the first time, is that in general, you know, these symptoms need to be happening over a period of time. So if they come in and their child has had one episode of wheezing, their child has had one episode of of you know increased work of breathing when they're sick, it's it's very hard to make that diagnosis of asthma because it really is it is a chronic condition, uh, and and it can change a lot with time, and that can often confuse people. Uh, and really, in terms of the different types of asthma, you know, there's a lot of kids that have recurrent coughing and wheezing and symptoms when they're very young, usually when they're sick with different viruses. Um, and that may seem like it goes away or it goes into remission or they even outgrow it. But then there's other children that have symptoms that seem like they go away and they come back later in adulthood. There's patients that have asthma symptoms just in their adolescence, especially with exercise or, or activity. There's people that only have asthma when they're or symptoms of asthma when they're pregnant. And then there's elderly uh, individuals who develop asthma. So there really is a, a wide range in terms of, of the, the, the timing of the symptoms as well. And that often will confuse people. So then let's talk about parents identifying it and the triggers for inflammation and symptoms. Are there things that could masquerade as asthma, like seasonal allergies? Speak about those triggers and how we can sort of tell the difference. Absolutely. That's a, a very important question because so much of the of the variability or the, the differences from asthmatic to asthmatic really come down to what it is in that person that is triggering the symptoms, right? And so so very often in our younger children are by far and away our most common trigger uh, for asthma symptoms is going to be viruses. So many of our younger kids have episodes of viral triggered cough, viral triggered wheezing. Uh, and then when they're not sick and in between episodes, they really are asymptomatic. And then as they get a little bit older and, and, and some kids, allergies then often will develop. And then allergies are, are, are kind of our number two in terms of in terms of triggers for asthma. And so what someone's allergic to can be very variable, right? You develop allergies as you get older. Uh, usually we're talking about the environmental allergies. So, you know, uh, 
like grass and pollen, trees, weeds, dog, cat, cockroach, dust mite, those types of things in our environment in uh, certain individuals who are, who are allergic to them will trigger symptoms. And then our third probably most common trigger that we see is exercise or activity. Uh, there are people, though, that can be triggered by, uh, you know, the temperature of the air or air quality, uh, perfumes or colognes, of course, cigarette smoke. Uh, and so there really are a lot of other things in the environment that can potentially trigger symptoms, but really viruses, uh, you know, allergies and exercise are our most common triggers for asthma. Then tell us a little bit about the management of asthma in kids as asthma can come along with comorbid conditions that you're also dealing with and can contribute even to symptoms. Tell us what therapies are available for kids. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's important to understand, you know, when we're talking about asthma, really there's three main things that happen uh, in the airway, right? So, so when someone's having an acute attack, uh, often they're having episodes of what we call bronchospasm. So there's muscles that are wrapped around the airway and they constrict or they, they squeeze or get tight in response to an acute trigger and they make that airway narrow and it's hard to breathe. But then over time, especially if the asthma is more chronic and, and they have more frequent symptoms, there's inflammation that builds up. So the walls of the airway become thickened. They become kind of almost edematous and that also narrows the airway and makes it harder to breathe. And then our asthmatics often have much more mucus production in response to triggers, but even at baseline, they have more mucus. And the reason why I bring that up is because our treatments uh, uh, really target those components uh, of that asthmatic response. And so if someone has you know, mild asthma that really is asymptomatic in between episodes and really symptoms are fairly mild and easy to control, often the bulk of those symptoms are due to that bronchospasm. And so albuterol, which is what everyone's very familiar with usually with asthma, it really addresses that bronchospasm. It's going to relax those muscles, open up those airways, and make it easier to breathe. Uh, it works very quickly, but it only lasts for a few hours, right? It's our rescue medicine. But in our patients that are having more chronic symptoms or in our patients that when they do get sick or exposed to the trigger have very severe episodes and end up in the emergency room and have a lot of inflammation even acutely, we have inhaled steroids that we use uh, uh, to help c control and prevent that inflammation. And they're very powerful in the sense that they're able to prevent and control that inflammation and very small doses and very safe ways. And so that our patients with asthma are able to be around the things that maybe might trigger their symptoms and they don't build up that chronic inflammation. And then we have medicines that can also control inflammation, but also prevent bronchospasm chronically. And those are our combination medicines that have both long-acting versions of albuterol as well as inhaled steroids. And then, of course, comorbid conditions often go along with our asthmatics, especially our older asthmatics that often have allergies. And so we have a whole cadre of allergy medicines that we use, the antihistamines uh, and other medicines like leukotriene modifiers to help control the allergy-driven inflammation. That was a very comprehensive answer. Dr. Perpich, thank you so much. And now while we know exercise-induced asthma is a bit different, back in the day, kids with asthma were not supposed to exercise or run around at recess or gym. What are we doing now for kids as far as, you know, psychosocial and, and going along with their friends? And what do you tell parents about the day-to-day -day for a child with asthma? That's actually a very, a very important question too, because our goal in clinic really is to to help manage the symptoms and help educate the family so that our asthmatics can participate and do the things that they want to do. I don't want my asthmatics sitting out of physical education at school. I don't want my asthmatics to not be able to participate in sports. And we really have, 
you know, a wide range of medicines. I had just sort of broadly talked about classes. We have several different medicines within all those classes that really are very powerful in terms of helping us control these symptoms. And so I have asthmatics that are uh, trying out for swimming in the Olympic Games. I have uh, a semi-pro uh, 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 hockey players. I have, you know, families that and, and children that have really are playing at a high level uh, of athletics and they have asthma. And we have you know, excellent medicines to, to control them. And so really through education, uh, both around identifying the symptoms, identifying the triggers, but also education on the way that we use the medicines, that's very important as well. Our goal really is that they should be able to participate. They should be able to to do the things that they want to do. And, and that's important because if we find that if we're using our medications import, uh, uh, correctly if we're, and if we're using them, uh, uh, you know, when we're supposed to and we're, and we're identifying the symptoms and we're still having issues, then that's all when we start to think, are there other things that may be mimicking our asthma? Are there other things that, that may be kind of contributing to our symptoms? And I think one of the, the, the most important uh, asthma kind of masqueraders, if you will, is something called vocal cord dysfunction or exercise-induced laryngospasm. And I just bring that up the only because it's about as prevalent as asthma. It's about 7% of the population, but most people have never heard of it. And it can show up also as exercise-induced acute shortness of breath, difficulty uh, um, you know, breathing, and act a lot like exercise-induced asthma. And so it's, it's, it's an important thing to be looking at for that treatment response uh, to help you know, make sure that what you're treating is, is you know, that, that your asthma is, is responding to treatment. So tell us about some therapies that might be in the pipeline that can help prevent asthma, possibly, and what's the focus on current asthma research? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we really, I feel like every year and as years go on, our, our, our toolbox continues to expand in terms of the medications that we have available. Uh, um, the, the, you know, the, our, our mainstays have always been aimed at at controlling inflammation with our inhaled steroids, which are very effective, but they, they have a very nonspecific action in the sense of their control of inflammation. We now have a whole new cadre of medications that are really more like scalpels that go into these inflammatory cascades and knock out specific pathways. It's a whole bunch of, of what we call monoclonal antibodies uh, that are given via injection, but not very often, sometimes once a month, sometimes every other month, sometimes every two weeks. But but these 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 new therapies really go in and are able to isolate and knock out specific pathways, inflammatory pathways that are you know, really responsible for a lot of that inflammation and, and, and asthmatic symptoms. And they've been life-changing. I've had patients who have been intubated multiple times in the ICU on ventilators, really severe asthma at very young ages. And, and we've been able to get their asthma under control where they're not in the hospital at all. They're not nearly at, you know, at risk. And, and I think, you know, that, that just brings up an important thing. You know, when we're talking about asthma control, you know, our goals are to, to minimize symptoms, right? We don't want to see if you know, a, a patient having symptoms, you know, daily, weekly, or even monthly. We don't want to see them, you know, having that kind of impact. But we also want to minimize risk. We do not want our asthmatics in the emergency room. We don't want our asthmatics uh, uh, to be in the hospital or in the ICU. And so really, those are the two major domains when we're looking at at therapies and as we're making decisions, you know, are we having symptoms frequently that we need to prevent or do we have severe episodes uh, that we really need to minimize as well because the patients are, are more at risk? So as we wrap up, Dr. Perpichin, what a great topic and you're giving us really great information, very encouraging as well for parents with children that have asthma. 
wrap it up with your best advice. If your child has asthma, what would you like parents to know about caring for that child, helping them to thrive, and the options that are available at BayCare? Absolutely. So I think, you know, the early recognition of symptoms, you know, really picking up, especially in those younger children, you know, there's a large population of kids that are having episodes every time they're sick, they're coughing, they're wheezing, uh, they're, they're having difficulty. And so that early recognition that, you know, well, this is this is happening a lot and probably is more more you know symptoms than I should be seeing, you know, talk to the pediatrician, uh, um, you know, talk to them about maybe whether this could be uh, symptoms of kind of childhood asthma, uh, you know, that that needs to be addressed. Um, and that early recognition, I think, is is you know you know very important. But you're you're right; it is very encouraging because even if we even if we identify asthma in those younger age groups, it's not a it's, it doesn't mean that this is going to be something lifelong. I had mentioned that these things change over time, and so really don't be scared or or, or, or discouraged, right? If 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 your child uh, it does have you know a diagnosis of kind of either childhood asthma or even you know later on uh, in in terms of asthma, the the, the symptoms are, are, are we have excellent tools to get them under control. And there's no real reason to be to be worried or or you know kind of scared. It's, it's important to, to talk to the pediatricians about that. And and you know I think within Baycare we have a lot of excellent tools right across our hospital. We have a standardized method for the way that we evaluate our asthmatics in the emergency room. We have a standardized uh, symptom-based approach in terms of uh, the, the medications that we use. So if you walk into a BayCare hospital, whether it's our main children's hospital there at St. Joseph's in Tampa, or if it's any of our other BayCare hospitals, there's a bar that we've set. You're gonna, your child is going to receive the best and, and the most standard of care in terms of asthma management. Uh, and and then when we also when, if we get admitted the same I you know thing we've we've got a very regimented very standardized uh, treatment approach to our asthmatics that includes education for the children education for the parents and then of course we also have available testing while in the hospital if we need it both spirometry where we can measure airflows as well as allergy testing if we need it and so I do feel like you know feel comfortable that if you come into a BayCare hospital you're going to receive the most comprehensive and up to date care for your asthma that's currently available. Wow, what a great segment. Dr. Perpich, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your incredible expertise. To learn more about BayCare's Children's Health Services, please visit baycare.org. That concludes this episode of BayCare Health Chat. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other BayCare podcasts. For more health tips and great advice like you heard today, please follow us on your social channels. I'm Melanie Cole.